agents, you guys should be documenting how you're saving your clients money. I don't care if it's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, like, because what you can do is you can average it out. In a sense, you're, when you start scoreboarding yourself like that, I think you try even harder to get those deals and those discounts for your buyers. Yeah. Now that we're having to prove our worth and it's not just, I'm getting my paycheck from the seller, kind of my mentality, I think it's made me negotiate even harder. Hey everybody, welcome back to the How To Real Estate Podcast. This is episode number 20, kind of a milestone for us, Kyle. Yes, yes. We set out in the beginning and our first goal was just to hit 20 episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. So this is us uh, reaching our commitment. Yes, yes, we're done after this. <laughs> and thank <laughs> you guys for being on the the journey with us. If you guys haven't subscribed to the to the podcast yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all the socials. Check us out for more content. This episode is, is kind of a follow up to one that we've done regarding the National Association of Realtors, the clear cooperation, lawsuits that are going on. Mm. We've got brokerages leaving NAR. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. And this is just catching you guys up on where things are as of right now, as of right now, the as recording of, yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, this is this is such a crazy time to be in real estate right now. Like not are we not only are we coming off of the the heels of the pandemic when real estate was booming and and, real estate, and interest rates were low and ever I mean the market was just bananas. Yeah. And then we hit these high interest rates, high inflation. Uh, you know, who knows if we're in a recession or not. I mean, economists will tell us two years from now, whether we were or not. Right. And the market feels like it's plummeting. We're down 20% in transactions year over year. Interest rates just got over like 8%. Yeah. And now like we have people, we have brokerages leaving NAR. Like yeah. what is going on right now? <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot is going on, man. And it's unsettling. I've been talking to a lot of real estate mm -hmm. agents and kind of picking their brains and some of them from some of these companies that we're going to talk about that are, that are giving the agents the option. And mm -hmm. some of them are confident, you know, in what's going on. Some of them are like, uh, I'm not sure. Right. Uh, I think kind of most of us are on the, uh, I'm not mm -hmm. sure train. So let's just break it down. Like, where are we at today? What should people that are listening be focusing on? Mm -hmm. And what are the facts that they they absolutely need to know as we move forward in in today's crazy day in real estate? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there are definitely some misconceptions out there. And even I just probably helped spread one of them because, you know, these just to be really clear, and we'll get into this in more detail. Uh, these these brokerages are not leaving NAR. They're they're giving their franchisees the option if they would like to. Gotcha. So Remax is not just like done with NAR altogether as a as a as a French as a corporation. It's just they're giving their individual franchisees the option whether they want to be with NAR or not. Yeah. So, so and I think the reason why they're doing that is because they really can't just leave. Right. Right. Because there's a lot of MLSs that require you to be a, a member of NAR, mm -hmm. right, in order to have MLS access. Right. So do you think if some something comes up where they figure out that they don't need or they, they develop a way not to need the local MLS, do you think that they would possibly say, hey, we're, we are done. Like everybody has to leave. Because I know Redfin mm -hmm. is actually mandating that many of their agents leave NAR because mm -hmm. they've got their own website. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that it is in some ways a smart play. I mean, this is my personal opinion on some of these big bro big people like Redfin who really want their own site to be where everyone goes. They're trying to promote their site. See, they have a vested interest in leaving NAR. Right. Most of us realtors do not. Yeah. Like 
I mean, for a lot of us, the reason our clients hire us is our access to the MLS. Now we can get into uh, opinions on whether that should or shouldn't be why someone hires you and maybe you're not offering enough value. However, the fact that NAR does require um, if you're going to be part of the local MLS association, you have to be part of your state association and you have to be part of the national association. It's all or one. It's all or none, basically. So like you, I, I, I don't see any way for the average realtor to leave NAR at all because we need the MLS. Yeah, certainly. And there's one and a half million realtors that are right. members of NAR, mm-hmm. right? So what does it look like for NAR? Just speculation, you know, down the road, if, if half a million leave, like, I think that's a pretty significant loss for them. Oh, huge. You know, a third yeah. of the, a fifth, you know, mm-hmm. of, of the grouping. No, that is a third. Damn, my math is good today. <laughs> if a third of, you know, their their membership leaves, like what does that mean for NAR? What does that mean for the the rest of us that are still here? You know, that that's a good question. I don't really have the answer. My my first thought here, and I'm curious about you how you're thinking about this, is it's not gonna affect them. I mean, yes, losing a third of your subscribers will hurt any organization. However, you gotta remember that like back in 2018, 2019, not too long ago, we were at a million of people in our mm. It's grown so that much over the last four or five years. Right. So we're not talking about this huge difference in in membership based on like just it's kind of like like NAR has grown so much over the last couple of years. Maybe maybe some of them falling off isn't such a bad uh, right. a bad thing. However, <laughs> I have no idea financially like what I mean. To be very honest, most of you realtors, I mean, hit us up in the comments if you know. How has NAR benefited you? What have they done for you? Like other than the lobbying they do, I really have no idea what NAR does for us. Yeah. Yeah. I I really don't either. I mean, code of ethics, I think is a good thing. You know, they've kind of put forth a code of ethics and, you know, they're, from what I know about NAR, they're really more, they claim to be, you Mm -hmm. know, big parts of uh, like consumer protection. Right. Like, hey, we're here to protect the consumer, make sure everybody's licensed, make sure everybody's operating at a high level, make sure Mm -hmm. there's rules that are followed, you know to protect the right. consumer. So I think there's some benefit there, but it's been scandal after scandal yeah. with NAR lately. Yeah, it, it feels like right now we're in a period, and, and I'm, we're not getting into these other really off topics here, but all these other big, quote unquote, union leaders, you know, NAR's not a union, of course, but it's kind of similar. It is. Um, yeah. That are caught up in all these big scandals, these people that are just in charge of this massive amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it seems to breed corruption. Yeah. And from this, the research that I've been doing, like there's a lot of people that are unhappy with NAR, mm-hmm. like what they're, what they're doing and, and the approaches that they're taking and the things that they're supporting and the things that they're not. And then we have these, you know, sexual assault allegations or mm-hmm. sexual harassment allegations that yeah. have been going on. The, the president, Kenny Parcell, mm-hmm. you know, was, a, was a kind of like a, a target of a lot of these allegations. Mm-hmm. He steps down. Right. right, no longer in that position. It, it just almost seems like NAR is kind of imploding from within, like the leadership ranks. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's whenever this kind of thing is going on and this much pressure is being, it's people love someone that, that can, they can point a finger at and blame. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I have no idea about Kenny Purcell, whether he did or didn't do any of these things. Certainly, yeah. But, you know, if, if he's stepping down and, and this is the way it goes, maybe it's for the better. It could be. It could be maybe they need a change of leadership, right? You know that somebody in there running things a little bit differently, and, and an allegation is definitely not proof of guilt, right? Right? You can be accused of anything. Doesn't right, doesn't right. mean you're guilty. It doesn't mean you're innocent, right? right it right. just means that someone's accused you of it. But what it has done, I think, it just sown the seed of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to all of the other stuff that's going on, all the lawsuits where right. so many members of of NAR are just trying to figure out, do we need them? 
Yeah. Right. Do we need NARC? Can we function without them? What does it look like? You know, it, prior, even though my, my previous statement was, I don't know what they do for me. Because as a day-to-day realtor, like, I never think about NAR. Certainly. You know, I don't – It's they seem to be so distant from my actual business. It's hard to even really think of what they do for me. However, you have to admit that NAR being one of the largest lobbyists in America, there's power there. Mm-hmm. And if they're looking out for realtors and homeowners' best interests, like they say they are, that's a really powerful tool to lose. It is. And I don't necessarily want to lose that tool because that can be something that has a very positive impact on our business in ways that we may not even really understand. Because I know that they have done some things in the tax code um, to help home- homeowners kind of maintain certain tax benefits for investors as, as well. Um, I know they're a big part in the, um, you know, some of the benefits investors get in the tax code. Um, I know they have some consumer protection things in there. So I do think on a whole, NAR is good for us. Right. But I'm also in agreement that there's some things that probably need to change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They they may have become too big for their britches. <laughs> <laughs> they need a spanking. <laughs> right now, right now is a spanking. But I tell you what, though, I, I am kind of proud of them. Mm-hmm. They're not settling. Yeah. You know, with these lawsuits, they're they're taking it to trial. Yes. With these other companies, with Remax and Anywhere Real Estate and, and the conglomerate that it is, mm-hmm. with them settling, if NAR were to settle, I think that would be really bad for the real estate industry when it comes to the items that they're they're being mm-hmm. um, put up against. I really respect that they're they're fighting for it because in my mind, and, and I could be wrong, but in my mind, if I'm gonna take something all the way. It's because I'm 100% convicted that I'm in the right. Yes. I would assume that that's where their mind is at with it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot on the table. Yeah. You know, if they lose, it could be really bad for yeah. NAR and the real estate industry. But if they win, then it could be really good. You know, so I'm, I am grateful that they're they're staying in the fight. Yeah, and that's what I would want from my professional association, honestly. Um, these are the rules that have been in, in place for a long time. And I get, I can empathize with the homeowners of these big class auction lawsuits and why they might feel that way. I think there's just a lot of greed there though. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of assumptions being made that, Hey, if I think the biggest assumption of those two things, we've talked about this in previous ep- episodes, so please go back and listen if you're not sure what these are, but the big, ex- big assumption is that if I didn't have to pay a buyer's commission. I would have paid half of what I paid. Mm-hmm. And that's just categorically, I think, not true. And we debunked that in that episode by going over the history of commission. And commission didn't start at 3%. And then when we thought, hey, we need to start paying buyer's agents too, we doubled it to six. Right. It was six before that. Yeah. And listing agents said, I will take half of what I normally take so that I can do more listings. Right. And so I don't think that if buyer's agency goes away, commission drops to 3%. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe across, I mean, there's maybe the agents that are only getting 1% right now start getting three. Yeah. That'd be good for them. But I do think that we go back to a, an area where it's five or 6% still for most of the time. Cause honestly, if I have to deal with the buyer's aid buyer with no agent and the seller at the same time, that's not a 3% commission. Heck no. That's so much work. And then in addition to that, it brings to mind like intermediary relationships here in Texas. Right. Like, do you create an intermediary there? Do you allow the buyer or require the buyer just to be unrepresented? Right, right. You know, and then how good is that for, for consumers? Right. If I'm if I'm in a transaction and there's a buyer that's unrepresented, and I'm representing the seller. This is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're probably going to run roughshod over that buyer, mm-hmm. you know, not because we're unethical. We're going to do hundred percent ethical stuff. Right. right. But I know the contract. I know how to negotiate. Like the buyer is going to be at a serious disadvantage. Yep. 
without representation, it'd be the same thing. Like if you go into court, you're on trial for something mm -hmm. and, and you don't hire an attorney, Yep. you go against the DA and their experience is all they do, right? Mm -hmm. They know the laws, they know how to present, they know how the court works, they know all of that. You don't, mm -hmm. you're just trying to learn it from YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then you go in court and you get slaughtered. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a bad setup. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And I, I thank you for transitioning there because I do think that the result of some of these lawsuits and NAR saying that, you know, because, you know, one of the one of the results of all this going on um, is that NAR has changed their clear cooperation policy. Mm -hmm. And now, no, they no longer require buyer's agent's commission to be anything. Right. So you can you can pay zero. You can. And I definitely think that there's some sellers that are going to try to try that out. Yeah. And yeah. I think they're going to have some bad luck with it. <laughs> I do too. I, I do too. I don't, I don't see that mainstream right now. Right. You know, so if you're, if you're the one, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you're in a neighborhood and you're competing against, you know, 10 other homes, mm -hmm. you know, especially in today's market, like with the rates, the way that they are and people having hesitation and all that, right. like it's going to be, it's going to be difficult, but I think in order for it to be difficult, the agent representing the buyer is going to have to stick to their guns on their buyer representation agreement mm -hmm. and educate their clients and say, hey, look, we get 3% commission. If you take, if, if it's less than that, then you're agreeing that you're going to make up the difference. Right. Right. And so now when you go see that home, it could be the home that they absolutely love mm -hmm. and we want them to get that home. Right. And say, hey, that's the home you love. Let, let's write an offer on it. This one's offering 0% commission. So this one would require you to pay that 3%. Mm -hmm that may change the degree at which they love that house. Yeah, 100%. Right? Well, I mean, when you're looking at the, the transaction, the first step is falling in love with the house. The next step is the financials. Yeah. I mean, a good buyer's agent helps a buyer disconnect emotionally from a home and actually look at the financial picture first before making that agreement. Right. And if we're doing our jobs correctly and we're saying, okay, you love the home, great. Let me show you what your mortgage payment is. Let's work with the mortgage broker. What should your payment be? What What are you going to need to bring to closing? What does inspections and appraisals look like? What is it, you know, all that stuff that you're going through. If we now have to tack on that 3% because the, the seller is not offering anything, I mean, yeah, that definitely changes your cash to close and, and changes that, that conversation. So sellers or anyone thinking about selling your house or, I mean, hopefully you, you're hearing this. It do, It's not that it's unfair, like, oh, they didn't show my house because they wanted to make more money or this. It's it's the buyers are going to choose to skip your house mm -hmm. because now they have to pay the commission. Right. Put yourself in their shoes. Right. You got to, you, you got to lead with empathy. It's going to be crazy to see, man. Dude, it's going to be super interesting over the next year as we move, transition through these lawsuits and find out the real ramifications of what's really going to happen here. Right. And they actually start actually trickling down and having an effect on our business. Yeah. I think it'd be very interesting. So you know, when we're thinking about where this is all going, you know, what should agents even be thinking about what they're doing in their day-to-day -day right now? Should anything be changing for them? I would say, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and what should be changing is their mindset around certain things like collecting commission from buyers. Mm -hmm. I would say probably 99% of agents out there think that that's wrong, mm -hmm. right? Because we haven't done that. Right. So they, on a daily basis, you should be wrapping a, a, a new mindset in your mind about that, mm -hmm. right? And, and being comfortable doing that. Also skills, like we've talked about like documenting the deals that we're getting for buyers mm -hmm. and putting that on paper. And and like, I just put one together last week where I was able to save the, the buyer 30 grand mm -hmm. off sales price through negotiations. And I'm, and, and I'm 
keeping record of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So now when I'm talking to buyers, I'm like, hey, yeah, you may have to pay this commission, but here are the results, mm -hmm. right? And, and then I've even talked to buyers that don't even know that you can really negotiate sales price, right? Right. They're not even aware of how deep you can negotiate sales price or what other things can be negotiated in a contract. So agents, you guys should be documenting how you're saving your clients money. I don't care if it's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, like document it because what you can do is you can average it out, mm -hmm. right? Let's say you had 10, 10 sales in the year and you, you on average save your client $15,000, 3% commission is going to be, let's just say 12 grand. Right. Cool. So yeah, you're going to pay me 12, but I'm going to save you 15. So you're actually still saving three grand, right? even though you're paying me 12, yeah. right? So that's what I would say. Focus on your skills. Um, stay stay up on the market too. Stay up on what's going on. You know, the more informed you guys are and, and subscribe to this podcast because that's what we're here to do, mm -hmm. right? We're here to keep you informed and make sure that you guys are are ahead of the curve and in the know and, and adjusting quickly. So we've got to adapt. We, we've got to focus on our skill sets, have better conversations mm -hmm. with buyers and uh, start documenting all of our wins. Yeah, I like that documenting your wins thing too, because in a sense, it you're when you start scoreboarding yourself like that, I think you try even harder to get those deals and those discounts for your buyers. Yeah. Now that we're having to prove our worth and it's not just, you know, I'm getting my paycheck from the seller kind of mentality. Um, I think it's made me negotiate even harder lately. Yeah. And be more aware of it too. Yeah. You know, just be more aware and and increase the skill set, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of be excited. I know some folks, you know aren't really comfortable with negotiations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a conflict thing, but get comfortable there, you know, because yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's going to build, boost your confidence too, mm -hmm. you know, when you get a hell of a deal. And on that deal, uh, my client was actually, his top line was 10 grand more than what we ended up going under contract for. Yeah. So he was still willing to go up higher, mm -hmm. you know, but I was able to keep it, keep it low, you know, 10 grand lower than, than what his top end was. So get the wins, get, yeah. get the wins. The more you focus on it, the just the, the better you're going to get at it. And, and yeah, you're right, dude. It definitely um, makes you more excited to go out there and, and get deals for your buyers. No, I, I love that. And I probably shouldn't even admit this on, on a recorded public, uh, whatever podcast here. Um, but one of my last deals, I was only offering a 2% buyer's agent commission. And this was, before all this happened, I never had that conversation with my clients and I knew I was only getting 2%. And in my head, I thought, okay, I'm going to beat the seller up even more for this. And I did. <laughs> yeah. And I got, I got my clients a $17,000 seller concession. And I was like, you know, yeah. and I, and I'm not going to say I wouldn't have done that if they had given, were giving 3%, like I would have backed off, but man, I, I went after it thinking like, I'm not, I'm not letting up. Like I'm getting after these people. <laughs> I love that, dude. I love the spirit of yeah. that, you know? So that actually brings something to mind for me and just brainstorming things. And as ideas pop up, you're just mm. kind of verbalizing them. So what if I've actually done this on the sell side where mm. I had a client and I said, Hey, here's our, our, um, I think it was like on our admin fee. They're like, mm. I don't want to pay the admin fee. I'm like, okay, cool. What if, how much, do, how much do you think we need to list a house for? Boom. What if I get you more? Mm-hmm. Would you pay? Would it be okay if we, if we go above this? Then the admin fee applies. But mm -hmm. if not, then it doesn't. And I'll bring the commission down a little bit. Right. So that person was like, "Heck yeah, that's a win!" Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm more incentivized to get you a better deal because right. when you get a better deal, I'm going to 
get the fees that I'm trying to charge. Mm -hmm. So what if we did that on the buy side? Say, hey, look, here's our commission is 3%. This particular home is only offering 2%. Mm -hmm. So there's a 1% gap. Would you be opposed to paying that 1% if I can save you 3%? Right. If I can get them to pay X amount of your closing cost, yeah. you know, would you be opposed to bridging the gap on that 1%? Let's mm -hmm. say that 1% is five grand. Right. You pay five grand, but I'm going to get you 15. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right. Who would say no to that? Right. It's a, it's a win-win. Yeah. If I, if I <clears> were to hand you $15,000, would you pay me five for that? Yeah. Duh. Yeah. All day long. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's just reframing some things. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, it's making me think we should do a whole episode on just negotiation tips. Yeah. Because oh, I love be what you were saying earlier about how you framed with your client, like what's the max you'll pay for this property? Yeah. And then anything below that is a win. Mm-hmm. Even if you got them right at that, it's a win. Yeah. Like, but any, and, and that's a great way for buyers or sellers. Like, so what's your minimum here? Mm -hmm. And I do that all the time in negotiations. When I'm a listing agent, the buyers are bringing offers. I say, okay, look, they've offered lower than what we wanted. What's the lowest you'll go? And they tell me, so, and I say, I clarify, so anything above that's a win for you guys. Perfect. Let me go to work. Yeah. And I come back and it's higher than they're, they're lower and they're ecstatic. Absolutely. Even though they took a price hit from their list price. They're ecstatic because it was more than what, because, and it's all about how you frame that. A hundred percent. And the trust you build. Right. Right. You got to build the trust so that they give you that freedom. Right. Like this, this guy has so much trust in me, which I'm so grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of gave me free reign and I didn't have to go back to him every time, you know, right, there was right. a, a counter offer or whatever. I just played the game. And then when I thought that we were at a good point, I go back to him and say, Hey, this is what I got. And so mm -hmm. let's take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're good. <laughs> but that trust. And we should do an episode on negotiation. We absolutely I, I think should. so. More tactical, like practical things. We, yeah, I like yeah, that. So yeah. yeah, that that that's good stuff. Hit us up in the comments if you want to hear a, an episode about negotiation coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, even tell us some challenges that you may have had. Oh, yeah. I love know? that specifically. Yeah. yeah. What 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 scenarios can you give us that we can help you? You know? Yeah, I like even, that. even if it's past tense, yeah. you know, we always want to learn for, for the future from the past mistakes. So going back to the, the original topic, though, October 16th, which was two days ago, that uh, the Sitzer case started. Yes. So yeah. that that's kind of a big deal. Yes. Right. Where they're still into it. That one is on clear cooperation. That is the one. Yes. I'm, it, they're, they're really going after the clear cooperation. And God, I'm, over, I'm forgetting the other policy here. It's the because clear cooperation is having to offer buyer's agency, which they've already changed. And the other one is about the pocket listings. And I forget the exact name of that. But that's being in the MLS, basically. Yeah, basically, you got to put the, the homes in the MLS as soon as you start advertising. Got gotcha. 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily love that. And we just found something out. EXP's got this Zen, Zen list. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been checking that thing out. That mm. seems like a pretty cool resource. No, it's super cool. I've got a video up on my computer right now that I started watching today. <laughs> so I, I need to finish it because it's so yeah. cool. It's a it maybe a workaround, mm -hmm. you know, for for some of this stuff. So yeah, and I I hundred percent think that rule was. I don't know the intention behind NAR, but I think most agents disagreed with that rule. Yeah. Now I don't feel like as an agent, all of your the best use of your your talents and abilities is putting that home and getting it the most exposure possible, which is through the MLS. Yeah. But that doesn't work for every single client. Mm -hmm. And probably one out of every 20 listings I get, it would have been better as just a pocket listing. Yeah. I mean, 
sell to an investor or just something else off market or test or to test the market before we go on. Right. What works, what doesn't let me run some ads, things like that before I go in the MLS. Anyway, there's, there's so many applications that that policy kind of gets in the way of that. I don't, I don't appreciate. Even I think I mentioned this on the, the original episode we did on this topic, but like our first sell by owner strategy, Mm -hmm. it killed it. Yeah. It killed it because we would do, um, open houses for, for sub owners and then advertise the open houses. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that anymore. Right. Because if we do it, we got to have it in the MLS within 24 hours. Yeah. So definitely, definitely took opportunities away um, from that. So crazy times, a lot, lot to follow up with. Do you have anything else you want to add on this one? No, and this is ongoing. So as the Setzer Burnett case starts shaking out and there's another case that's going to come, that's the Mueller case coming after this, that's going to also have some effect because, I think one is going to bleed into the other. So I'm really curious how Keller Williams and NAR and all these people are fighting this case and what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll do another episode. I mean, we're trying to try not to burn y'all out on this topic too much. However, this is a huge impact to the industry that cannot be overstated enough. Honestly, I mean, in recent history, this is the biggest thing for real estate. Yes. The biggest thing. So it is important to stay on top of it. It could have a dramatic impact on, all of the way we do business mm-hmm. for all of us yeah, and uh, all of our bottom lines, you know, so it's, it's important to stay in touch with it. hundred percent. All right, brother. Well, you guys don't forget if you haven't already, you're still listening to the end of this episode, subscribe, hit the bell. So you get notifications, shoot us a like comment on some of your scenarios that we can help you with on negotiations and mm-hmm. whatever, you know, that we didn't tap into on these cases in this uh, particular topic, comment below, let us know. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys. See you on the next one. Peace.